Welcome to the Otter Cares Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Jess. We've got a great show for you today. Welcome to 2022, by the way. 2022. We made it. We made it. We made it. it All right, Jess, who's our, who's our guest today? Our guest um, is the fabulous Hillary Sontag. Uh, she is out of the St. Brain School District um, down in the Longmont, Boulder, Carbon Valley area. And we've had a really awesome partnership with that school district for quite some time. We uh, were part of their initial launch of their um, cool innovation center before it was the awesome, awesome innovation uh, yes. center. Um, <laughs> we worked with some really great teachers um, and educators down in that space as well. Some of our first um, student created not so ordinary ornaments came out of the St. Green <laughs> Valley School District. So there's lots of history and love um, when it comes to this partnership. And with Hillary specifically, she's um, in development for the, the district and is pretty, pretty awesome at her job. You know, she's she's really great and totally gets who we are. We have a really great partnership with her. Um, so when we're looking at, hey, what can we kick off the year with? How about some really cool tidbits, facts, info and tips on writing a grant for your Yay. school and program? <laughs> Yay. Hold on, I'll be right back. I'm going to go grab some pen and paper. Okay. Hurry. Oh, wait. Does anybody write stuff down anymore? Maybe I'll just type it. <laughs> just type it out, right? Yeah. Right? So get your listening ears on. Hillary is a wealth of knowledge. She's got some great ideas and ways for you to identify a grant, uh, convey your uh, really cool program project idea through grant writing, um, and what to do once you get that submitted. So let's let's bring on Hillary. Here we go. Uh, hey, Hillary. Hey, Hillary. Hi, good morning. Good morning. good morning. Well, we're super excited to have you on our first episode of the year of the Outer Cares podcast. Yay, 2022. Yay. We made it. Um, we have Hillary Sontag with us this morning to chat about all things grants. So, Hillary, just introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. We are so grateful for our partnership with Otter Cares Foundation, um, who has really had amazing impact on our students across our whole school district. So thank you for having me. I feel really honored. This is an amazing team to work with. So um, yeah, my name is Hillary Sontag, and I serve as the Director of Competitive Grants and Strategic Partnerships for St. Brain Valley Schools. We are Colorado's seventh largest school district. We serve 30. 3,000 students across 411 square miles. So we are a big place doing really amazing, innovative, comprehensive work to advance student success and give our students a strong competitive advantage when they graduate from St. Brain. Um, I have been with the district for about four years and um, have learned so much in that time. I have been working in development, partnership development, resource development for about 15 years now. My whole career has been spent in youth development and higher ed. I've worked um, in the higher education context is where I started my career um, and then moved to a statewide nonprofit organization, which was a relatively small shop in comparison to higher ed, and then made my move into public education um, a, a little more than a decade ago um, with a small school district in, in Metro Denver um, and 
and finally came to St. Brain, um, having fallen in love with public education and the impact that it has on our communities. There's just no institution, I think, which has more of an impact on the future of um, individual lives and as um, as a community, as a state, as a nation than public education does. So love supporting public schools and teachers and staff and all the amazing things that public schools do. So. Well, we agree, you know, we, we love working with <laughs> the schools and the school districts within our, in our communities, because um, not only is it important and impactful, it's just plain fun. You know, I, I learn something new every time I walk into a, <laughs> a classroom and think, dang, these kids are way, way smarter than I am. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty incredible. I think one of the things we recognized is we recognize as modern public educators is that um, public education really has changed so dramatically and evolved over the decades since we were in school um, for people who are are in the generation ahead of us since they were in school, um, you know, between, you know, one in four, one in five people walks through the doors of a public school every day in our country. So it's, it's a lot of people who are engaged in public education and see it every day. That said, that means, three out of four people are, are not. And so it's, um, it's really fun to be in schools and to see the ways that they continue to advance and innovate and modernize. And um, I think it's really important that we share those stories as often as we can, because um, it's, I, I think people can be disconnected from the reality of what's happening in school buildings and teachers and students are doing incredible things that you are, I, I can only speak for myself, I guess, that I would never have had access to as a oh. student. So yeah, absolutely no not. way. <laughs> absolutely not. Like I joke all the time. Like I was like 30 the first time I saw a 3D printer. So <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You're in kindergarten and you're using this? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, our preschoolers are doing design challenges and you know, solving big problems, designing the hospital room of the future or solutions to, you know, natural disasters and things that we just didn't do that kind of stuff when I was in school yeah. and they're using technology to do it in ways that I did not until I was 25. So yeah, it's, it's a whole new world. Same, same, you know, and a big piece of that, you know, we, we kind of touched on it. It's just how important public education is, you know, how many, you know, just how big St. Rain is, how big, you know, even Poudre school district up here, you know, across the country, you have, I, I don't even know how many public schools and public school districts we have. And from a funding perspective, right? You know, there's only there's only so much a public school district budget can provide and, and do for each school in their district. And that's why um, there's amazing individuals like yourself that are actively seeking um, grants and to, to make ideas and projects happen, either, you know, at the school level, you know, or the district level. So, you know, tell us about, you know, some of the grants that you pursue at the district that you're really helping to breathe life into projects, both, you know, small, but also grand. Yeah. Um, you know, we're very fortunate in St. Brain that our, our leadership um, views philanthropy very strategically. And so, um, you know, there is, we can talk about public education funding, but the reality is there is a lot of money flowing through public education systems. And so 
um, if you use your your tax dollars smartly, um, then you can use philanthropy to do R&D and innovate. And that's really, and catalyze um, innovation and advancement. And that's how we view philanthropy in St. Brain. Um, and so we really make a commitment to our partners, to our funders that um, once we try something um, with the support of our philanthropic partners, that we, if it, assuming that it works, we will sustain it on our own. And so it's, it's really sort of an R and D approach. Um, it, and really the reason why that's so, so important that you really have a plan for sustaining whatever it is you seek grants for is because otherwise it creates a really patchwork popcorn experience for kids and teachers where programs are coming in and out and everybody works really hard to start something and then it's gone in three years. And we just really want to create that stability, um, for our students and they can, the community knows they can depend on it once, once it's kind of built into the fabric of a place. So, so yeah, we've been really fortunate. We pursue, we pursue grants in St. Brain largely for innovation. So, um, things that are kind of core to what we do, core instructional programming, um, ongoing expenses. Those are not things that we seek dollars for. We really feel that those should be um, committed to and sustained from our general fund support. Again, because they're mission critical, we can't have them go away. Um, and that said, there are things that are really important for us to, to advance together with partners, either because we may not have the resources built into the general fund yet, uh, or because the partner's provide a unique lens and expertise that we can benefit from. So we are, um, we're experts in many things. We are expert educators. We are not experts in every industry, um, every, um, content area. So we really appreciate our partnerships with, with industry, with corporations, nonprofit organizations who may have an expertise in something like manufacturing. We have an excellent manufacturing, um, academy in St. Brain. But again, that's largely dependent on um, or certainly interconnected with the, the expertise that we get from local industry. So, so yeah, we get lots of grants for, it really runs the gamut in terms of the things we're trying to do. Um, one of the benefits of having really exceptional program leadership is they are constantly tinkering with, with new approaches. There's, there's not a lot of sitting around on laurels that happens in St. Brain if there's an issue we feel a large amount of agency and ownership. We tend not to sit around and talk about problems and admire them for too long. We figure out what the problem is and we pilot a solution and then we scale the solution if it's effective. So um, yeah, we have grants for behavioral health support. We have grants for technology and innovation. We have grants for capital projects. We have grants, um, really you name it, we're probably pursuing a grant for it if it's something that we're trying to advance. So you're busy. Yeah, yeah, we are busy, but it just shows even just, even just the Otter Cares Foundation itself does some examples of what our Otter Cares is funded. It really is sort of runs the gamut. So, you know, right now um, the Otter Cares Foundation just funded a program to create a new student enterprise at our innovation center where students will run. Um, a DNA lab, which allows them to take samples from the community environment 
and run analysis on them and work with community partners to provide data. And then we can charge fee for service through our students who will be running the lab, which will then support them, their student wages and new equipment for the lab. Um, so really they're starting their own business, but using high tech and industry ready skills that they're going to need are going to give them a huge advantage when they go to apply for a post-secondary program or for a job. Um, and then we have programs that have been funded by Otter Cares at the, at, you know, one of our local middle schools, Coleridge Middle School, to help advance their design lab and give younger students, so the program I just referenced at the Innovation Center for High School, our middle school students um, are being served by that program, getting them ready with the core skills around design thinking and problem solving and basic technology skills um, to solve problems so that when they get to high school and they can access programs like the Innovation Center, they're really just hitting the ground running. They've already been doing it since they were in middle school and elementary school. So yeah, lots of, lots of great stuff. And it's super fun. I, I'm not going to lie. Like <laughs> being a part of um, some incredible projects that are really driving innovation, providing students agency to run after ideas, make things happen, giving them platforms to create businesses and watch their ideas come to life. You know, that's that's our sweet spot. So having a relationship with St. Rain and, you know, specifically working with you, Hillary, to, to really identify those projects where we can invest our, you know, our resources, both, you know, monetarily and people, um, is, is just something that we, we love doing. That partnership is really important and our, our ability to speak the same language and drive towards the same goal, um, I think, is what makes this relationship so fruitful. It's, it's yeah. a lot of fun, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you, Matt, what do you, Matt, you go. You were going to ask something. I saw your face. Oh, yeah. You know, I was. <laughs> I was just kind of going back to, um, you know, getting these grants that, that kind of involve these community partners. Um, that is so so cool and, and real world, um, you know, for the students. Um, and I think just like, you know, now having lo like looking back at like my, you know, my K-12 experience, you know, you don't, you don't really have an appreciation for that when you're, when you're in it and you know, you're, you're younger and you don't, you haven't been in like the real world and been beat up and by COVID and whatever, <laughs> just kidding. But, um, I mean, just the, it does take that, like, it takes that extra like step of, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to, I'm going to put this grant proposal together and I'm going to, I'm going to involve community partners instead of just me being in this kind of like this school environment blinders onto the rest of the world. Um, you know, let's, let's get out there. Let's, let's bring in these partners. Um, I think, you know, we were talking about how education has changed. I think that's one of the biggest ways it's changed. I think that's pretty consistent across, you know, across, you know, school districts and in the country. It's like, okay, we at school, like we're, we're good at a lot of things, but like, let's bring in these partners, um, to kind of make everybody, you know, even better. Um, and so, I don't know. Kudos, kudos to you. Kudos to St. Vrain. Kudos to all the teachers out there writing those grants. Um, I know it's hard. Uh, actually, I don't know it's hard because I've never written one. So I'm looking forward to hearing some tips from you, Hillary. But um, I think the the value is is uh, not to be dramatic or hyperbolic, but it's it's priceless. Um, you know, because these these kids get get that experience. Yeah, and I I think one thing that I really appreciate about being where I where I am is that um, 
you know, these community partnerships and, and all the amazing innovative work that's able to happen is really enabled by a really strong focus on the core and the foundation and attending to the systems that make everything run very smoothly so that teachers have the capacity to do this innovative work, reach out to partners. Um, it's, it's not something that all teachers have time to do. Um, and so the more that we as, as central office staff or as school leaders can take off of their plates and just give them, you know, allow them to focus on building relationships with students, keeping them engaged, providing really amazing, relevant, real world, hands-on instruction, reaching out to partners. All that stuff is made possible by having really good professional development and curriculum available to teachers and just taking care of all the basics, which are less um, obvious or exciting to talk about, but it's only through those attention to the details at that really core foundational level that all this innovative stuff happens and honestly should happen, frankly, because you have to, you have to make sure that like kids need to know how to read and to do math. Like those things are really critical. And so we want them to learn those things through the lens of really exciting hands-on opportunities, but you better make sure that you um, know how to teach students how to read. And so um, that's a big piece of the puzzle. That makes sense. You know, we can't run a business if you don't know how to read, right? <laughs> you know, and going back to, to kind of our relationship, what I love about our relationship is that it, it's, we, we just has a great, such a great alignment, you know, and I think that is what makes our, our partnership and the investments that we make so successful and watching students really become transforming, like transformed because we work together to make sure that these ideas that educators are coming up with, that the district is coming up with, really align with our long-term goals um, and vision of impact through our grant giving. And I think a lot of our listeners who are educators aren't professional grant writers. They really don't know, you know, kind of where to start when they're starting to look at, hey, I'd love to have this project, but I need funding for it. How do I make this happen? They don't know really where to start. Um, and I would say for us, one of the biggest things is knowing your funder, like from your perspective, what makes, how do, how do you create those, start to create those relationships that dive deeper into knowing who your funder is and then really getting on the same page with them? What are some ways that you can do, how, how, how can teachers do that? If I've never done it before, how do I do it? Yeah. I mean, I do think what you just said, knowing your funder understanding what their priorities are is absolutely the most important. You know, I was in preparing for this podcast, so I was kind of thinking through what are the most important things that I can distill in, you know, two minutes about writing a good grant. And it's like tips number one through five are know your funder, know your funder, know your funder, know your funder, know your funder. It's just, it's a much better use of your time to spend time getting to know them and what their priorities are and what they're really trying to accomplish um, so that you write an application that you know is well aligned with what they're trying to do. Um, and it it saves everyone time from you writing an application that's not going to be well aligned with what they're trying to do and them having to review it. Um, so I think in terms of that relationship building, um, I, I think it can be a little scary to reach out. Some people are naturally brave about it and don't have any problem reaching out to a funder and 
just asking the questions and, um, and that's great. Um, but for people who feel a little more gun shy, I think it's just really important to remember that, um, yeah, absolutely reach out to the funder. If there's contact information available, my typical practice in terms of just basic funder outreach is just sending an email, introducing myself and saying, we're, we're thinking about this project, which looks well aligned with what you're trying to accomplish. Could I have 15 minutes of your time just to share with you what we're thinking and, um, and hear your feedback. And the conversation usually starts there. Um, relationship, real relationship building with a funder is just like real relationship building with any human being. Um, and if there's really, it's as much an art as it is a system I can tell someone what to do. Um, and so I think the most important thing that you can do is, is to bring people into your world as, as much as you can and, and get them with as close to your mission as you can get them with kids, get them with teachers, get them with your leadership, um, build those strong connections between program leadership, your, your building principal, your department leader, whoever that is, and the, the leaders at the, the funder, um, spending, facilitating those conversations as much as you possibly, as much as you possibly can. Um, if your grant is funded, then making sure you're reaching out, giving them an update, making sure that if something has gone sideways, which happens with projects all the time, that they hear from you as soon as it happens or before it happens, rather than at the end of the year report and like, oh, whoops, we haven't actually spent any of our money because we didn't do any of the things we said we were going to do. Hopefully that's not going to happen, but things do happen. And so just being as as candid as you can and authentic as you can um, is, is really the key. There's There's really no particular science to relationship with building with funders any more so than it is with anyone else. It's just spending time asking questions, doing a lot of listening and note-taking. Sounds like communication, right? Just like, yeah, I guess just like any relationship, right? Like just communicate. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I love what you said, Hillary, was, you know, bringing, bringing these people into your world, you know, really, uh, sharing your passion and your vision for whatever it is that you are wanting to create. I think that is so key from a funder's perspective um, to know, like, I, if I want to be a part of your, if I want to journey alongside you, bring me into it, you know, tell me about it. What's your big idea? What's your long-term vision? How is this going to change the world in your classroom or in your students? And, you know, it, it's that type of, that starts that relationship is, you know, we were all kids. We all had cool, crazy ideas. We all grew up and realized, you know, maybe we can't achieve everything that we wanted to because of whatever circumstance, but we, but every kid has that time, that moment where they're unstoppable, they're unbreakable and they can achieve anything. And educators want to fuel that. And so as a funder of education, we're like, bring us into that space because we want to come alongside and hear what is possible because nothing is impossible in, you know, in some of these kids' minds. Again, second graders, (laughs) they can do anything. They will, I, you know, you put second graders to task, they're going to change the world, 
you heard it here first. They don't need to be adults. Just put them in second graders' hands. It's fine. You know? And they'll tell you all about it in like a very like cute like story way. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's more than I'll accomplish, you know. Yeah. The rest <laughs> yes. of the month. But yeah, I think, again, bringing bringing funders, bringing people into your world and letting them experience and share that passion and excitement. That's key. Um, and keep communicating. It's okay to reach out. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, you know, there's no, everybody said there's no such thing as a stupid question. Just ask the question. Um, and I, I would imagine other funders are just as open and, and accepting to having those really cool open conversations about here's what we do. What do you want to do? Let's see if there's synergy and let's see what we can make happen, you know? Um, so yeah, communication along with reading, writing and arithmetic communication, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. And I should say for those for teachers who are listening and, and try this with a, with a funder and don't get any response, that's normal too. <laughs> and so, um, Otter well, cares they need to work on their communication. <laughs> That's right. Otter Cares is exceptionally wonderful about communicating with potential grantees. Not all funders have the capacity um, to engage in that way. Um, and so they just may not have staff who have been trained to engage that way with potential grantees, or they may not have adequate staffing to do that. And so if that happens, don't take it personally. Just put in your proposal and see what happens and try and get feedback on the back end. And sometimes it's just a timing issue. And so, um, yeah, I wish everyone should strive to achieve the level of grantee communication that Otter Cares achieves, but not everyone does. So, but that's the gold standard. So if you reach out to Otter Cares, they will get back to you, <laughs> but at least try with everyone else. Absolutely. Again, if you don't ask, you'll never know. Right. That's what it is. Just got to try. Yeah. You know, I'm sure within your experience, you have submitted several grant applications and proposals um, and not all of them have been funded. You know, so what do you do when this happens when you don't get funded? Yep, it does happen periodically and it's part of the experience. Um if you have never heard no on a grant proposal, you just haven't written enough of them yet. So it, it does happen. Um, I will say though, it does happen most often when you haven't had the opportunity to do good communication on the front end. Um, and again, there are some, op there are some situations where you cannot, for example, with government, certain government grants, they are not legally allowed to give you feedback um, on your proposal idea before it's submitted because it can give, they, they view it as giving some applicants an unfair advantage. And so there are times when you cannot get feedback. And those are the times when you go in blind and you don't know how well aligned your proposal is with a funder. And then that's, those are the scenarios under which we have most frequently heard no. Usually we can avoid hearing no by having a really good conversation beforehand because we'll know, they'll say, now's not the right time. This isn't the right RFP. That's not the right amount. This isn't the right project. You don't, we're more focused on X, Y, or Z issue right now. And then you can say, great, I'll come back to you when, when there's alignment on X, Y, or Z thing, um, saves everybody a lot of time. And so you can avoid no, I'd say probably 80 to 90% of the time just by doing that. Um, but when you do get those no's, all you can do is ask for feedback. And so that's the, the most frustrating circumstances when you hear no and you cannot receive any feedback. And that does happen. But the instant I hear no, 
I will reach out to the funder and say, thank you so much for considering us. I know this was probably a difficult process to select projects. We would really benefit from any feedback you may have to offer us. And um, you may get specific feedback, which is awesome. Cause then, they'll, cause then they'll tell you, come back next time, come back in six months, come back with a different project whatever it is. Um, or, or you may get unspecific feedback, which is, we just had a lot of applications, a lot of worthy projects this round and couldn't, couldn't fund all of them. That happens not infrequently. And so, um, so yeah. And with that feedback, you just have to decide whether or not it's worth your time to go back again. But, um, the, the key is always, of course, um, proceeding with kindness and positive intent when you hear no. So, and, but also not taking it personally, just, you know, it's just, just part of the deal. <laughs> In your experience, Hillary, like, do you find, um, again, not having ever written a grant myself, um, it, it sounds, it sounds daunting, right? Cause you gotta, you, you have this, like, you have this idea and you just want to run with it. And then you have to like answer all these questions and like have all these like paragraphs to answer. You have to analyze what you're going to do. Um, I don't know. Just any, any tips for, for anybody who's written a million grants or, or anybody new, um, just like, how, how do you kind of push through that, that little, like, ah, uh, okay. I have this idea and I just have to sit down and like write it. I know you're the passion for the idea. will I'm sure drive a lot of that. Um, any tips for like kind of pushing through that, like, ugh, like writing, writing a bunch, writing a bunch of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Just getting through the writer's block piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Um, I think sometimes you just, it, it's really just sitting down and deciding to do it. Um, I think the probably at least from my own personal experience, the, the quickest way to push through, I really don't know what to say is to not overthink it at all. So don't try and make anything sound perfect. Your first go round, assume that you are going to be writing two to three drafts of this thing and don't try and make it per perfect on your first try. Just get a bunch of bullet points down, respond to the question in the way that feels most natural to you. Don't overthink it as you're thinking about it. The first time you look at a question, just get it out on paper, know that you're going to need to revise it, know that it is not going to be perfect and just kind of charge through as much of it as you can. Um, I'm hopeful that in response to COVID there, I'm hopeful that grant applications will reduce in length. Um, many funders have started to do that already. And I think that I hope that that's a trend will, that will continue. So Hopefully not every grant application is going to be really long. <laughs> so you don't you can kind of like take that off the table. They're not all long and terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Just push through and bullet point what you can. The other thing too, is if you do work in, if you're a teacher and you work in a school district, A, make sure you're following all your school district policies around seeking grants. Everyone has different policies. They vary tremendously from organization to organization. Once you follow those policies, though, if there are questions you don't know how to, typically there are lots of questions that you won't know how to answer on a grant because they don't pertain to you as a teacher. It'll say something like, please provide us with your organization-wide budget, you know, and you as a teacher will say, I don't know what that means, and I don't even know who to ask, and I don't know where to find that thing. So if you are a teacher in a, in a district, ask your principal who oversees grants at the district level. And they can send you a lot of responses so that you don't have to be kind of figuring out what the right response is. Because in actuality, you probably won't know the right response. And the district grants person, if you have such a person, will. And then you won't have to write half that stuff. 
Um, <laughs> so you can just worry about like your little piece of the pie, which is what are you going to do with this money and how is it going to help kids? That's the, that's what you need to worry about. Um, and then there are typically lots of questions on grants that do not relate to that question. And that's where you can lean on other people to help you like ask for help. That's really key. I love that. I love the two things that you talked about, like one feedback, you know, feedback is a gift, right? That's, that's really what it is. Even when we don't want to hear it, it really is a gift that we could choose to receive and implement or say, no, you don't, I don't need this because that was right. Um, so feedback, accept it and then, and love it. Um, then ask for help. Always ask for help. And it, it sounds like in the world of grant writing, um, it's very rare that you can't ask, you know, either the funder for like, hey, give me some more specifics around this. I'm struggling here or seeking within your organization and saying, hey, principal, co-teacher, um, district grant writer, I'm doing this and I need help. Please help me. Um, ask for help. It's okay. We all yeah. need help sometimes. Just ask for help because that's what's going to add you know, not only to your application, but to your point, Hillary, you're going to find those pieces of information that we don't all have access to. Not everybody asks that question. And why do I need to worry about this when I have a really cool idea? <laughs> like, yeah. Just listen to my idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think another really important thing too, is if you're not a writer and you want to write a grant, don't be afraid. It's okay. Just get as much as you can down on paper and find someone who's a really good writer to proofread for you um, and help you craft the language part of it. It's it's the idea that matters. And I think that's the second piece is, A, you can ask for help on the writing piece. And B, it's really the idea that matters. A well-written proposal makes a difference. It's easier for readers to digest. But largely, it is the idea that matters. So on the flip side, if you write a grant and it's rejected, it may not have anything to do with how beautiful the grant was that you wrote. It's just the idea is not aligned with what the funder wants to accomplish. And so pay attention most to the idea. The other really important thing that I think people underestimate is the degree to which being specific helps a funder understand what you're talking about. So when you say, I want to implement a new hands-on approach to learning how to read, that may seem specific to you or maybe specific enough and you're trying to sell the idea in my personal experience, funders want to understand exactly what it is you are going to do. You are going to purchase this new curriculum, which is great for this reason. You're going to implement it three times a week for 30 minutes with 30 students each. You're going to select the students in this way. A degree of detail, which may seem completely unnecessary to you. Like, what? Who cares about this? And that's actually the thing that people care about because they can understand what it is you're going to do. And so I think that's really important and something I see lacking in most applications that I review is there can be a lot of like fluffy language and not a lot of specifics. And whenever you can just drill down as far as you can um, with those specifics. We like to say to be specific is to be terrific. So <laughs> Ooh, I like that. We're going to start using that one. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I can uh, attest to that. Like we, the way that we all communicate and process information is very different. So even if you think you're like going overboard, like I don't even know why this makes sense. Why am I, does it matter what kind of pencils we're going to buy? Does it matter what kind of, you know, 
whatever it is, like, yes, we want the details. Yes, provide all the details. Get really nitty gritty. Be really specific. Share that big vision picture of what you have in your in your mind with your funder. Because, again, it's about bringing them into your world. It's about getting them excited and fired up about what you're striving to accomplish with these funds. Um, and, yeah, I kind of do want to know what kind of pencils you're going to use. Because maybe I could use those pencils, too. So, <laughs> So, Hillary, you've been able to secure a few grants from us, and we love the way that um, we're able to celebrate each other and the partnership that we have. What are some tips that you would share with um, other teachers and educators around, um, you know, recognizing those funders, those new partners? Like, let's not even call them funders. These are new partners in your vision and in your project. How are we going to celebrate? What's the best way to celebrate this new partnership that you've created with um, like-minded and passionate um, organizations or people. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, the most important thing is to have thinking about the organization that you've just received funding for and the person who is your contact at that organization thinking relationship first. So putting yourself in the shoes of this institution or person or organization and saying, how would it feel good to me to be recognized so that I understand the impact of my gift I think that that intent first is what drives it for me, even if the execution is not perfect. Um, it's it's really about that intent, um, celebrating the partnership in a really authentic way, putting yourself in their shoes. That's what I try to do. We are extremely fortunate in St. Brain that we have the, I will, I will say it, I'm okay. We have the best K-12 communications team in the country. There's nobody better. Um, and so we're really fortunate that I lean on them very hard for a lot of our, we have a district magazine that we are able to celebrate, um, partnership stories in, um, our, and, and this strong communications really starts with our leadership. Our superintendent is a sort of unprecedented communicator in the volume and frequency of his appreciation for the community, for partners, um, he is constantly celebrating them in social media. He has cross-channel social media across Twitter and LinkedIn and um, all those things. And so we use those frequently. Um, so our superintendent, our leadership is always celebrating partners. So you can, um, again, work through your principal. If you have a school, immediately communicate the news to your principal if they haven't heard yet so that they can celebrate. Um, so social media is a great way to do it. Um, we have a superintendent's newsletter that goes out to our whole community and email newsletter. Um, if you, you can work with your principal to ask if your district communications team may want to pitch to local media, sometimes local media, local media loves stories of like cool, innovative partner driven projects. So don't assume that the news doesn't care about your grant, no matter the size of it, they may actually think it's an awesome story and want to cover it. Um, again, all of this stuff, work with the funder on all of this. Like no one likes to be caught by surprise by a press release because maybe they haven't done their official release yet. Maybe certain stakeholder groups don't know about it yet. So again, work with your funder as you're doing all this stuff to make sure they're in the loop and have approved whatever you're doing. But yeah, celebrate as much as possible. You can put signage on, if it's a, if it's something pertaining to a particular space, you can put signage on that space to acknowledge the funder. Um, you can um, display that big check 
if they're a funder that does big checks, you can display the big check in the front of your school. Your school newsletter is a great place to announce things, your PTA. There's almost endless ways to communicate about these things. Um, it's just a matter of effort. And again, Matt, as you said, like, how do you have time if you're just feeling a little overwhelmed? It's one of those things like, just do it. Just write the email, let the people, sometimes you're like, I don't have time to deal with this. Teachers are very busy. <laughs> so, but just press send on the email, just get it out there. And the, usually the wheels will start turning and then the, it kind of comes off your plate and you don't have to do a lot of work. So um, yeah, it's kind of like, let it, let it bubble out. Right. I mean, you're going to yeah. be excited about it and you're going to just kind of like, you know, sometimes you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm up late, but I'm writing like exciting emails. So I don't yeah. feel like I'm, you know, so yeah, just yeah. let it, let it flow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Let it flow. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Right. Um, cause it's, I mean, again, it's about celebrating that, that partnership and what you're, what we're going to achieve together. And that's what the cool thing is. That's one of my favorite parts anyway. So I can say that personally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a, a lot of educators, a lot of teachers are like, to your point, they're busy. They're busy. Y'all, y'all are busy people. You are busier than I could probably ever process fully in my brain. You guys are busy. Um, so as a busy individual, how can I get started with all this? Like, okay, I've got this really cool idea. Where can I even look for a grant? Like, where do I even start with all of this? So a couple of things. I know we're, we're talking about grants, and that is an awesome strategy. Yeah. Before you start looking for a grant, there may be other resources available to you that you can start with first. So if you're a teacher and you've got a small project, a small project idea, you may say we, this sometimes I've seen this happen working in, in public ed. P teachers will assume that there's no resources internally for them. I'll say, Oh, I can't do that. We don't have the resources for that, but they haven't even talked to their principal. So like as a first step teacher, ask your principal if there might be resources. Cause you'd be surprised. There might be, even if, you know, even if it's something that's not typical, there may be some special pot of money that they've just gotten access to or whatever it is. And you should be working with your principal anyway on, on stuff you're trying to accomplish like this. So start with your principal, ask if there are any resources available to you. If it's a smaller project, sometimes there are resources that, um, like crowd crowdfunding resources, donors choose is an outstanding, um, organization that funds a lot of teacher driven projects for smaller stuff. Those things are great. Um, they're just a quick and easy way. And they're typically slightly less labor intensive than grants. Um, and so that's a, that's a way to get smaller things funded. Um, and so when you're, when you know you need a grant, like you don't have building resources available to you and this is not a thousand dollars, we're talking about a $10,000 project. That's when you're in grant territory. Um, and if you're in a district of any appreciable size, I'd start again with the permission of your principal with your ed foundation or your district grants office and say, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you have awareness of any grant opportunities that would be aligned with this? They may say yes and they may say no. Um, if they say no, you know, a quick Google search will sometimes yield some opportunities Local grant makers are your best bet as I am so grateful for the national corporations who have large footprints and do like big grant program, you know, like 
fund a thousand teachers at a thousand dollars each, you know, like the targets of the world and the wall. They do great stuff. But um, so for sure, look there, but also prioritize your local people. If there's someone with a headquarters in your in your community or a really large corporate footprint, those are your people. You know, there's a reason why Otter Cares Foundation funds in this area. It's because they're headquartered here. <laughs> and so um, and so and their founders live here. So pay attention to your local geography and start with partners in your local geography. Um, I'm trying to think of other sort of funding. The other thing too is if you if there are, if you do have a relationship with a, with a funder that, you know, doesn't do this thing, like, so maybe you've gotten a grant from Otter Cares before, um, and you're trying to do a literacy related thing and Otter Cares literacy is not one of their funding priorities, but call Otter Cares and say, Otter, I'm just, I don't mean to put this on you, Jessica. I don't mean to give you a no, flood. No, no. <laughs> I'm just using the example. Like call your local, um, call your local funder and say, hey, we're trying to accomplish this thing. I know that you guys don't do this, but do you know anyone who does? Because they have a really good knowledge of people who are working in adjacent areas and say, oh yeah, you should talk to so-and-so and half the time they'll be able to introduce you. So that's another good way to use your network. Use your network. Um, so. Wow. Yeah, that is, those were really, really great tips and stuff that I haven't even thought about too. I'm like, yeah, you should contact your, you know, local funding network and say, Hey, I know this isn't aligned with you, but I'm really cool. Like excited about it. Do you know anybody or anybody else that I could do this with? Yeah. Matt, why didn't we think of that? I know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to write a grant for fun now. Like, <laughs> I've learned so much. Wow. Well, any other final tips or ideas that you want to share? Hillary, this has been so, so helpful. I have learned a ton. Yep. Um, is there anything else that we can share or close or end with to, to inspire these um, either, you know, novice or, you know, expert grant writers who are listening. Yeah. I mean, I really do think relationships are the key. And so just, and just starting, you just have to start. Um, and so the, getting over the inertia, um, don't feel like you have to make it too perfect. Just get it started. Um, try and reach out to the funder if you've identified them. Um, ooh, a nitty gritty tip. Um, some wonderful funders, not all, will review a draft of your application before you submit it. Um, and others of them will share their scoring rubric with you. So ask if that's a possibility with them. Do not assume that it will be because not everybody has time and some of them have conflicts. They don't want to provide feedback on the same thing they're scoring. That's more of a government funding thing. But um, but yeah, be sure to ask and you can you can get really specific feedback then. If they've seen your application, then you'll get really good feedback before you submit it. So it's really fun. It's honestly the great, you know, there's so many agencies and organizations and people and all they want to do is use their resources to make the world better and to be able to spend your days connecting with those people. It can give you a kind of new lease on life too. I think as teachers, 
it's, it can be a grind teaching. It's incredibly, incredibly rewarding, but sometimes it's really hard to get out of the classroom for just a minute. Okay, I'm going to pull back from my, whatever reading assessment I just had to administer or whatever my day was or whatever behavior issues I was dealing with today, or just to get a little connection into the outside world and to have somebody say like, Hey, I believe in this too. It's, um, it's not just hard work to write a grant. It can be really fulfilling work um, and actually give you energy. So um, I would just encourage everyone to give it a try. Yay. Yay. That's perfect. Oh my gosh. That is perfect. I feel inspired because it is fun. (laughs) It is fun. And to what Hillary said, there's lots of people out there who want to come alongside you and Make your idea come to life. So don't be afraid. Take that first step. First step. Just do it. Just do it. Let it flow. Let it flow. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Hillary, for coming on with us. Yeah, Hillary, this was awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your thank time Thank you so today. much for having me and for all that you guys do, truly. We're very lucky to have you here in our community. We feel very fortunate. Well, what a conversation. Um, yeah, again, having never written a grant myself, I learned a ton. And just to hear the hear the passion, you know, and like it's it's okay, take that first step, right? Like, that's right. I think that's the hardest part for anything that you do, especially if you've never done it before, is how do I get started? Like I just Yeah. And then you start like it's you know, paralysis by analysis. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Deep. <laughs> Hold on. You saved that for the outro? <laughs> I love that. Oh, you love that, see? So it's like you just sit there and you just think about like, well, what if my, what if I don't come across, you know, the right way? What if my idea sucks to them? What if it's not as, you know, well-baked as I thought it was? Like you just start kind of like running through all of these scenarios in your head and then all of a sudden the deadline's passed and you can't write this grant and you just never took, you know, shoot your shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Just like, isn't it. that what the, the kids say these days? Shoot your right. shot. You know, I know it's like <laughs> yeah. a different context with like dating, but you know, this is, you know, <laughs> yeah. to Hillary's point, like you're developing a relationship with this potential funder. Like your job is to create, you know, that excitement about your idea and get on the same level and get them on the same page as you are. And, um, your ideas matter. And there are a lot of organizations that want to invest in that idea and be a part of something that you're creating. So don't be afraid to just take that first step, submit that grant. If you don't know and aren't sure, like Hillary said, reach out, call, email, ask a question, you know? You never know, right? You just never know. (laughs) Um, I think for me, like the biggest takeaway I had was like, look for funding opportunities in your community. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many like big foundations, you know, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And, you know, there's there's these really, really high profile organizations that provide really, really big grants. But they're also really hard to get. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, know? start small. Yeah. People you maybe even know take baby steps. Exactly. You just got to yeah. start. Start somewhere. Yeah. And start somewhere. if you're looking at writing a grant for Otter Care specifically, um, reach out to us. We love hearing ideas, you know, right when they're coming off the cuff. We want to know, like, I have this musing. What if we did this? Reach out. We want to know. We want to talk you through things. Um, If it's not something that we can potentially invest in, maybe we know some other organizations that can help um, breathe life into what you're wanting to accomplish. So um, 
reach out to us. We want to connect. connect. Connection 2022. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the Autocares podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Jess. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.